Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. This is Digipop, a weekly news and conversation podcast at the crossroads of pop and digital culture. I'm Rob Gillett. Digipop. This week, I'm joined by singer-songwriter Michaela May, whose single 1954 has taken the internet by storm and is now breaking through on radio in her homeland of Canada. We talk about her life, her work and the challenges of being an independent artist in an industry dominated by major label stars with huge financial backing. But first, the news. Digipop. Starting with transfer news. No, not football, don't be daft. It's actually to do with The Voice UK, which makes its move from the BBC over to ITV next year. It's just been announced that Emma Willis will be moving with the show to the other side. Marvin Humes, however, will not. I'm sure that's not awkward at all. Meanwhile, auditions for ITV's other singing competition, The X Factor, are just getting underway. And Louis Walsh, who is back on the judging panel again, has claimed that he knew last year's revamped version of the show would be a flop. He told Kate Thornton on BBC Radio 2's Paper Cuts that he called Simon Cowell after the first episode had aired to tell him it's not working. Cheers, Louis. The X Factor returns to ITV later this year. Sir Elton John's been talking about Lady Gaga's new music on his Beats One radio show, Rocket Hour. He says he's heard two or three new songs from her next album, describing them as absolutely brilliant. However, he also let slip that we probably won't hear anything new from Gaga until next year. As well as writing with Elton, she's been working with producer Mark Ronson on the new record. Netflix has been shedding some light on the science of binge-watching. They've carried out a study of viewing habits and come up with a binge scale. It ranges from savour to devour. It's all quite confusing, but where viewers choose to watch an entire series of a show, those that are savoured tend to be watched for less than two hours a day, whereas those that are devoured are watched for more than two hours. The results reveal that people like to binge on thrillers like Breaking Bad or The Killing, whereas they prefer to take more time over things like House of Cards or Homeland, where there's a more complex political narrative. Disney have responded to speculation online that Finding Dory will feature the studio's first gay characters. It's after the most recent trailer shows two women with a pushchair who many assume to be a lesbian couple. Reports from early screenings of the film suggest a brief glimpse of those characters neither confirms nor denies that. And now the film's producer Lindsay Collins has said they can be whatever you want them to be. There's no right or wrong answer. 
Uh, have you seen the new range of emojis yet? We're getting 72 new characters later this month, including avocado and facepalm. It's all part of an update to the Unicode standard. They're the people that control and approve the use of letters and characters on our phones. Uh, we'll also be getting a baguette and a cucumber emoji to play with, which could present some stiff competition for the aubergine, if you know you know. And Instagram started rolling out non-chronological feeds to all of its users. A bit like Facebook, it means that you'll now start to see the posts they think you'll care about most first, rather than just the most recent. Many people kicked off when these plans were announced earlier in the year, but the company says its tests have shown people are liking and commenting more and generally engaging with the community in a more active way. We'll see. You can read more about all of these stories and get the latest digital and pop culture news over on the Digipop website. Digipopcast.com How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um. Okay, time to welcome this week's guest. Michaela May has written for some of the biggest names in pop and now has her sights set on becoming one herself. I spoke to Michaela last week over Skype. She was at home in a very sunny Toronto while I was in a makeshift studio in my childhood bedroom in the Suffolk countryside. I started by asking her exactly what her song 1954 is all about. But this ain't
54 is a power pop song, um, but it's also quite an empowering song. And it is about old school societal norms still existing in modern day society. And it is my frustration um, at how I feel things are still going. Um, uh, but at the same time, it's it's a very interesting song because my kind of serious message juxtaposes the very catchy melody and hook that I put on the song. So I wanted that uh, light and shade. And I think that's what that's what is so special about it is you can you can hear it the first time and you're like, oh, this is this is fun. And then you hear it again. And you're like, actually, this is pretty serious. <laughs> and it, it, it's quite surprising to then when you listen to the words feel like, oh, and, and that works really well for some reason. I think at the time I was, I was frustrated at I think what was going on in my life at the time and I remember sitting with the producer and I was I think having a rant and I was like oh you know it's not 1954 and then we kind of looked at each other and we just knew like that kind of spark went off and I thought yeah I need to write a song about this took two hours um very quick sometimes um a lot of pop songs they they can they can be a labor of love and take months but then other times they can happen really quickly and that's what happened with 1954 and you know I wanted the hook to be catchy and I want because I wanted it to be empowering I didn't want it to be depressing I wanted it to be something where people you know they put their headphones in on the you know on their commute into work or they're blasting it in the car and I want I want people to feel empowered when they listen to that song. I want them to feel like I want to do what I want with my life, live my life how I want. And I, that, that was kind of the, the strength of the song. And I wanted to get the strength across. Um, but I also didn't want to uh, minimalize quite a, quite a serious message and what was really important to me and what I was living at the time. That comes through really well through the video, which is, uh, which is actually, I find quite disturbing. I mean, it's a great video, but it certainly really does support the message of the song. The interesting thing about the video was that was a risk for me. So um, I was given a lot of different treatments for that video and a lot of which were people were like, let's just dress you up in 50s clothes and, you know, make you look amazing. And, and I, and all of that was completely inauthentic to me. And I, and I thought, you know, as much as this visually will be very impactful, this is not what the song's about. And, you know, I believe if you're an artist, then you are supposed to be about your music and your message. And I just felt like those videos weren't going to work. So the video was risky, um, but it was very important for me uh, to get my message across. So the video was skewed quite heavily female, but that's because obviously I'm female and I wanted to represent what I knew. I didn't want to represent something that I hadn't had experience in. I wanted it to be powerful. I wanted people to watch the video and perhaps you're someone that doesn't listen to lyrics and songs. And there are a lot of people out there that just they just really connect to that melody and sort of sing along without really kind of thinking about the words. So for those people, I wanted them to watch the video and be like, oh, well, holy shit, right? She's actually talking about something a little bit more serious than maybe what I had thought about. I think it's really interesting what you say about people not listening to lyrics of songs. And I, I think I probably do a lot more now, but certainly when I, I hear some songs from when I, when I was a kid, like 90s songs now, and uh, I, I listen to the words and I think, blimey, I had no idea that that song was about that. Some of them are absolutely filthy, but it, it, it's, it's amazing how it can pass you by. To become one, you, have you heard the Spice Girls song? Do you yeah, remember that yeah, one? Yeah, there's that one. And the other one yeah. that, that I'm always shocked by is um, Sweat a La 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 Long, the Inner Circle song. Oh, that one, yeah. Okay, I've got to must admit, I don't think I, I, don't think I really know what that song's about. <laughs> well, go and listen to that again. and uh, I will, I will. <laughs> you'll change your mind. <laughs> um, 
just back on track and talking about your music again and not uh, questionable 90s pop um <laughs> the the song's getting picked up by by uh by kind of proper radio now that must that must yeah. be exciting for you it's oh it's it's so exciting and um you know when i was writing this this record and the ep has actually been finished for my goodness, maybe six to eight months now. And I wrote 1954 a year and a half ago. So I'm working with material that's a, a little bit older, but it just takes some time to get it out there and timing and making sure you have the funding again because you're kind of self-funded. There's no label behind it. Um, I manage myself. So everything that kind of is happening is is very much like a one-person team. So to have radio support now, so I have commercial radio in Canada. I've got... Um, two very big stations that are supporting the record, which, I mean, I am floored by the support. I actually didn't expect anything. I think when you start to expect these things in the music business, you're going to be very disappointed. I think being in the music business is about being true. This is going to sound really cliche and gross, but it's true. Um, you know, being true, being true to, to your art and being an artist and whatever that means to you, you make the records that you want to make, you say what you want to say, nothing's policed um it's less about the aesthetic it should be more about the music and you know I come from a very old school place in, in that respect and I understand that the, the business is different now but it's incredible to see commercial radio getting behind an independent artist who is kind of running everything like I'm like this little renegade that you know I'm like that what, what is that expression the little little engine that could like that's how I that's how I feel the operation is run at the moment but um I think it's just more credit to the song. Um, it's credit to the strength of the song. It's credit to the message. And I'm so happy that people are connecting with it. I mean, there's nothing more rewarding as a writer than to have people connect with your music. Like, that's why I do what I do. Um, because certainly when you're independent, it is not at all glamorous. It is not, it is not at all financially rewarding in any way, shape, or form. But um, the, re the reward comes from people like yourselves and people now commercial radio starting to get behind it because it they're they're making it about the music and not about how much money um like who am i signed to and how much money is behind me i think it's really interesting what you say about uh you know not having any expectations when you when you go into the music industry and uh you i mean you've obviously worked very hard to to push this song and it, it's great that it's paying off for you. But I think, I mean, I mean, you may you'd be able to relate to this, but a lot of people kind of almost feel that they should be entitled to have that space or that play on the radio. And actually, that's not always the case. You have got to produce a great song in the first place. And then, then there's still the challenge of, of getting it out there. What happens is when you've been in it for several years, you just learn to understand that, like, nothing is expected. You cannot presume anything you just have to make sure that you write the best music that you possibly can. Like you said, you actually have to have a great song. And even that's not enough. You know, radio are less in, uh, inclined to support artists that don't have a lot of money behind them. Um, and, we all, and we all know why and we all accept that. But there are some exceptions to the rule. And maybe I'm slightly deluded, but I feel like maybe I can be that exception. Um, but you can only be that exception if your songs stand up um, with you know some of the best you just have to work extremely hard and um, you have to believe very much in what you're doing and I keep talking about this like sense of delusion but you have to have that because otherwise you'll get crushed and I think if you are passionate enough and you have great material and you work really hard and you persevere I think you will get somewhere now 
depends on where that summer is because there's a lot of different factors that come into music that are unforeseen. Um, but I still remain positive about the whole thing. I mean, the power of the internet is insane and indie artists should be leveraging the crap out, out of that because <laughs> I wouldn't be talking to you if it wasn't for that. Um, I've been lucky enough to be supported by Pop Justice and, um, you know, I'll be kind of forever grateful to Peter for um, listening to my stuff and liking it because he's sometimes a tough critic. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think Pop Justice is probably where I first saw the song and it's certainly where I discover a lot of, of good new music. And, you know, that that's a, a, a powerful website in that, that it reaches the right people. And, and from that, you'll see a song appear there one day and the next day it's on, you know, every single pop music blog that I follow people have picked up and written about it so I mean that's it's a great launch pad I think for for new and and emerging artists you know I think if anyone who's very serious about being a pop artist should try and get Peter's ear and if you can um and he responds then then I think you're you know you're you're in a good spot and he doesn't he's not he's not backwards but coming forwards as well and I and I love that you know like he'll very much tell you what he thinks but that's that's the um that's the reality of this landscape and world that we're in now that, you know, bloggers are what considered thought leaders. And I do feel that Peter is a thought leader. Um, and I'm just super grateful that he likes my music. <laughs> so let's talk a bit more about your background and particularly your move to Canada. Cause that, that, that kind of interests me. It's not necessarily the, the typical route of, of, you know, going, I'm going to LA and then going home again. So like what 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 prompted that choice to to move to Toronto? It was a bit of kind of work and personal. Um but for me, so I've been in London for 6 years and I did the art thing and then that sort of did something quite small-ish um was with an indie label and then the indie label folded and you know it's like that it's, it's always the same stories I think for for, for artists that you kind of make some mistakes in, in your past and I and I certainly hold my hand up and I have made um, a few mistakes along the way but it's good because you get to kind of learn about the business and then I became a songwriter and was doing lots of sessions in London and then an opportunity came up um, both personal and work-wise that, that were Toronto surfaced and initially I thought well I've never been to Canada before <laughs> so I've never been. Um, I'll, I'll have a look. Yeah, and, I, and, I th- and I'm such a, I'm, I'm a bit of a free spirit in that way. Like, if an opportunity presents itself, I will almost always jump on it. And I thought, well, you know what? Like, why not? I've been in London for six years now. I mean, to be quite honest with you, things were going well, but nothing seemed to kind of hit. And then I came here, and the whole thing just changed. Um, I went out to LA. Speaking of LA, um, I got uh, flown out to LA and I worked with the team that was writing for Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato. And again, I'm out as a writer, not as an artist. Um, I sort of put, I actually thought the artist thing was done for me, if I'm honest. I thought, I thought like, I was just happy to have a career in music. And I thought, okay, this is, this is the path. This is direction. I'm happy with that. Like, I don't need to be famous. I don't need to be the star. I just love music. I don't care. And then everything changed because I was within a team that was listening to my original music and they actually heard 1954. And um, the guy who was sort of the head of this label that we were that we were working with, I said to him, I'm looking to pitch this song. I want to pitch this to like Kelly Clarkson or Nicole Scherzinger or somebody, somebody like that. And he said, 
you're insane. He's like, keep this for yourself. And he's like, why? He's like, why are you not releasing this yourself? And he's like, are you, do you not want to be an artist? And I said, no, I, I said, I do. I said, I just, you know, songwriting is what's kind of fueling the fire at the moment. And I'm really fulfilled in that. And he said, do you not want to be a performer? I said, oh, I said, I would love to be, but you know, this just happens to be the path. And he was just like, oh, he's like, he just said to me, he said, don't be ridiculous. Go back to, go back to Toronto and release that song. And that's, that's where everything kind of changed. Canada's kind of musical heritage has has perhaps been a bit patchy at times, but at the moment, everyone's from Canada, so you're certainly in good company. Yes, incredible talent comes out of here. We've got Drake, The Weeknd, Bieber, now Alessia Cara, Shawn Mendes. I mean, these people are just owning it and doing incredible things. So I think this city has now sort of become quite a quite a hub for music, whereas I don't think people would think of Toronto before, um, you know, you think London, LA, New York, um, and Nashville, obviously, if you're a country singer, but I think Toronto's in the mix now. So I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I'm sort of in the thick of it here, which is exciting. What do you think is the single biggest challenge you face as an independent artist? Funding is the first, um, is the first challenge. I mean, I'm just literally talking about being able to actually run a radio campaign, being able to put my band in a little RV and tour around um, Canada and kind of do the grassroots thing. I mean, it's because then, you know, you're paying for your band, you're paying for expenses per diems. I mean, for me, that the funding definitely, I would say, is the biggest hurdle. The second biggest hurdle is the fact that you are competing with, labels and brands and that's really tricky and tough and people that have relationships long-standing relationships um and I think it it takes something quite special to break through um I don't know if like I I really don't know what's going to happen with with my music and the song um it does have legs but we're going to have to see how long it can it can last but the, the nice thing for me is that I have so much other fun stuff coming down the pipeline like more great songs um so I'm just really excited about the future and what's happening I mean I I didn't actually imagine any of this to be happening the way that it is so I'm so grateful and it's kind of like going back again to what we were saying before is I did not have this type of expectation for myself because I have had these expectations in the past and been very very disappointed so um I just always want to make it about the music but um I think it, it's really it's really easy to kind of sit here and say, oh, you know, this is hard and this is hard. It's very hard, but um, there's always there's always a way. I mean, yes, I don't really have any funding. I, I, I self fund everything, but I will find ways to to get to people. And there and there's and there's lots of ways. There's lots of ways to connect with your fans and lots of ways to um, make sure people hear music. And I truly believe that great music will be heard. I, I do I do believe that I have to hold on to that otherwise it becomes very depressing for independent artists <laughs> I mean it sounds to me like you've you've kind of got two two heads on your shoulders one is is the performer and the artist and the other is is, is sort of a businesswoman to, in order to kind of keep pushing this forward I think in this day and age um you have to be both now uh because people aren't giving deals like they used to um there's less money People don't A&R the way they used to. I mean, you know, you could be the most incredible live performer. And if, you know, the head of A&R doesn't go out to gigs and they just sit and troll YouTube for the next kind of big YouTube sensation, then, you know, they're not really developing artists. They're developing, quote unquote, singers that they can 
just kind of mold and shape the way that they want to. But that's not that's not how the greats function. I mean, let's look at Bowie and Prince. And, you know, they weren't controlled puppets. They were actually about music and they were artists. They gigged and they kind of did it grassroots and went that way. And I, and I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. Um, we've obviously discovered amazing talent from the internet and the internet's an amazing thing, but I do feel that that A&R and that uh, development of talent is gone. But you, you have to, you have to run your career as, as a business and it is not enough just to be a, an artist, a songwriter, a performer. You have to understand the business. You have to build relationships yourself. Uh, I mean, I, I speak to the radio program directors and musical directors. I just met with them last week so I'm sort of doing a lot of different things but honestly that's what's expected now you have to be good at marketing now in this day and age however you want to do it you have to be good at it you have to understand your brand so there's a lot of different facets I think now that goes into being an artist in 2016. How how have uh, kind of like radio programmers responded to being approached directly by you? Because I think uh, sometimes that's they get quite set in their ways with dealing with you know people going into plug records from a label. And actually, I I can imagine it's quite nice for them to speak directly to an artist and and understand a bit more about what what they're dealing with. Yeah, I think um I was I was uh, apprehensive about taking this approach, but to be quite honest, I didn't have I didn't have another option. I approach the meetings with them as like no pre- and I, I, I there's no pressure for them to play my music whatsoever. Um, I learned a long time ago that people will just respond how they want to respond, and there's just you can't force things. And uh, I feel strongly enough about my music that it's strong enough that they would like it. And I approach the meetings as I'd like to you know have a meet and greet and, and play some music. It has been met quite favorably. Um, some people find it odd, but when I explain how everything's functioning in Michaela May world, they understand it. And I think they respect it too. The other thing with radio, I think, and it could be a case of what's happening in Canada for you right now, is that you only need one of the big stations to take a gamble on on a song. And then suddenly everyone's going, oh, hang on, we should probably play that as well. And it, and it has this sort of domino effect. Is that kind of what you found with with radio? Yes, that's and that's what, that's what seems to have been the pattern. So one station... Um, picked up the song pretty much like you guys did, like almost immediately, just really connected with it. And, you know, those are the people that are really special, the people that connect immediately with the song after one or two listens and just kind of really champion it. And that's what's happened in Montreal is that they've been championing. I just went up two weeks ago to do um, radio interview, and that's the first time that I had kind of seen it, seen it for myself. You know, I'm in the car in Montreal and my song's on, and then, you know, you look, to the car next to you and the windows are open and they're listening to your song you know and that's really surreal for me and that's why I put together this really obnoxious video my friend was with me and I was like screaming out the window like that's my song like really <laughs> obnoxious but um but I figured well you know this may only happen once in my life so you know maybe I, I have the right to scream like outside like this is my song I guess that moment where it is incredible and, and that's what seems to be happening is a bit of this domino effect that you know another station in Montreal has now just picked it up. I think because of the organic growth from the beat, like they just kept increasing the spins and increasing the spins and increasing the spins. And I asked them like, how do you, how do you measure the success of that record? And they said that it's purely by people going online. So they have a website where you can vote um, for the songs that you like. 
and then in the meetings they just review this and they have a lot of calls and emails about my song and that and that's why you know I'm played 20 20 to 25 times a week up there now which is you know fairly that's great rotation for me mm. and um now I think uh the rest of the parts of the country are now starting to take notice because the organic growth is there and that supports the fact that it's a real record and it's not just me saying this is a great song you should play the song everybody I play it to loves it like it's there's an actual case study and that's what I'm leveraging for some of the stations in Toronto Toronto's the hardest market it's the biggest market it's kind of like me trying to get radio 2 in London but um but you know it's worth a shot and uh People like it. I think. I think it's just going to take time. I think this this type of thing takes months, and uh, I'm willing to put in the work. So, where would you where would you like to be at the end of the year? What's your kind of what in your head? What's the goal? I want to be on tour. I want. I want to be taking the EP because the EP will be out, and the EP has been delayed hugely because of the success of 1954 with with, with radio success. And this is all again a great problem to have. Um, so the EP will be out. And I want to be I want to be touring it. That's my that's my plan. And I and I hope that the next two singles that are coming down the pipeline um, that people like them just as much as 1954. Well, it sounds like you've got it sus, to be honest. I think that's a very clear plan. Normally, if I ask someone a question like that, they go, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then move on. So I think you, you've, you've nailed the answer to that one. Um, okay, I've got a couple more questions for you. These are kind of more fun things to get to know a bit more about you. Okay. Um, now, this, this, is, this might not be a feature that runs for more than one episode of the podcast, but I've called it Pop Culture Mission to Mars. So you're going to Mars and you can take one album, one movie, one book and one celebrity to go with you. Oh, okay. Oh. I'm putting you on the spot there. Okay, one celebrity well if i'm going to mars i'm gonna need someone with a great personality and someone that can make me laugh so i think i would take a comedian and do you know what i think i'd take graham norton because <laughs> i think he's a interesting very... choice i'm trying to think of somebody that like i find really entertaining or really funny um yeah, so i think i'd take graham norton a book Okay, um, I'd probably take one of those. Um, this is this is so terrible. Um, people are going to get to know me. Uh, I'd probably take one of those. <laughs> this is horrible. Probably take one of those really like smutty novels <laughs> because I'd probably be bored in Mars. Well, you would if you're up there with Graham Norton. It's well, exactly. I'm not really setting myself up for anything fun, am I? So I'd probably <laughs> take one of those. I'd probably take one of those like Fifty Shades of Grey books or something. Um, Oh, I the feel al- you might regret that. <laughs> um, the album, oh, that is really tricky because albums depend on mood. You know what? I would probably take, I would probably take an ABBA album or a Michael Jackson album. I think go ABBA because they've got quite a varied collection of songs, right? They, they, the perception is it's all kind of fun disco stuff, but actually if you get into it, there's a song for every mood with ABBA. Yeah, you're right. So I think I'd take ABBA Gold, like their their greatest their greatest hits. I think I would take that. Oh, movie. Oh, right. Movie would I want to watch over and over and over again? I think I would probably just pick my favorite movie. So my favorite movie is Vanilla Sky. That's my favorite movie. Do you know I've never seen that film? That's terrible, isn't it? So good. So it's with Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz, Penelope Cruz, and it's it's. 
it's a really strange movie, but I love it. I love it for all of its weirdness. Digipop. So there you go. Michaela May is on her way to Mars with Graham Norton, Fifty Shades of Grey, Abba Gold, and a copy of Vanilla Sky. Huge thanks to her for coming on this first episode of Digipop and taking the time to speak to me. We had a really lovely conversation, actually, and I came away with a great admiration for not just Michaela's determination to succeed, but also her pragmatic and realistic approach to achieving that success. And I wish her all the best and can't wait to hear that EP, which is coming very soon. Next week, Week on the show, I'll be speaking to the star of CSI and the Bear City movies, Gerald McCulloch. He's just directed his first feature called Daddy, which I saw the other day. All I'll say at this point is that it has one of the most jaw-dropping twists of any film I think I have ever seen. Thank you for listening to Digipop. I've been Rob Gillett. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at Rob Gillett, two L's, two T's, and also at Digipopcast. And if you've enjoyed the show, well, please subscribe. You can do that through the Acast app on iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcast fix. I'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Subscribe now on Acast or iTunes.